Hello, villainous heroes, and welcome to the Villainous Manager podcast, an audio show where we attempt to see the world through the eyes and wicked styles of our favorite Disney villains. I am your host, Will Vargas. So sit back, relax, and listen as we flip the script and dive into the leadership, management, and creativity of the miscreants we all hate to love and love to hate. This episode is exciting. For the longest time, we've been covering mortal villains that walk the earth. But villains don't just breathe air and smell grass. They can also live underwater and have eight legs. That's right, this week we are talking about Ursula, the majestic, brassy, and intimidating Ursula who slithers any which way through the sea. Ursula, for those who may not remember, is the sea witch of the 1989 animated feature film The Little Mermaid. She's mighty in her own way, her being a half-human and half-octopus unofficial queen, and she holds absolutely no walls for herself and lets loose in any way she can. She is audacious, she is loud, she is incredibly proud, but naturally, she's evil. But let's get into her a bit more. Ursula, as already mentioned, is a villainous Cecilia, meaning she's half woman and half octopus. She carries on her day striking deals with unfortunate merfolk with the promises of making their dreams come through. However, her contracts are covertly designed to advance her own ambitions and cause general misery. Kind of like the whole be careful what you wish for deal. For context, Ursula used to be a regular citizen and resident on King Triton's palace. She was a commoner, but when King Triton banished and exiled her for eternity, Ursula vowed to exact vengeance by one day harnessing King Triton's very own power and installing herself as ruler of all the ocean. Pretty feisty, right? Historically speaking, Ursula is loosely based on the nameless sea witch from the original Hans Christian Andersen tale. Her personality, flair, and characterization takes inspiration from the drag queen, Divine, and naturally, it's been her favorite confidence and theatricality that has been met with critical praise, influencing many subsequent villains and making her as one of the most prominent Disney villains. As a leader, we can definitely learn a few things. For one, she's confident. She is overly confident and perhaps exercises a type of confidence that will endanger others, but she knows how to stick to her gut which in many cases, as a leader, is an essential skill set. But what we're going to talk about today really has nothing to do with her confidence or her flair. It really has a lot more to do with the relationship she has with Ariel and the very unfortunate deal they strike. There is an important lesson that lies in this unfortunate transaction that could be a major consideration for leadership. So without further ado, let's dive in. As we recall, Ariel, the 16-year-old daughter of King Triton, wants so much more than life underwater. She dreams of being part of another world, part of our world, the world of making humans and such. She longs for legs and limbs that will let her walk, and when lured by Ursula and her minions Flotsam and Jetsam, she strikes the deal. Ariel, as most Disney princesses, is a beautiful singer gifted with a beautiful voice. And it's not unknown to Ursula that Ariel is one of King Triton's many daughters. Therefore, Ursula promises Ariel the cure to her problems. She will give her legs and in return, Ariel will relinquish her voice, her physical voice. Ariel is not fully aware of the bad reputation Ursula holds and too naive to even comprehend the value of her voice. So she accepts the offer. She effectively lost her voice. This, my friends, is an important lesson. Ursula literally takes away her voice. 
her form of expression, her way of identifying herself, her way of sharing and giving opinions and ideas. Ursula silenced Ariel. As leaders, as managers, as team members, let's never silence our employees. Let's never fall into the trap of succumbing to complete absolutism and diminishing the value that our employees hold. Let's value, share, and celebrate the voices of our team members. As leaders, how can we learn to effectively integrate the voices of our employees? How do we learn to respectfully decline ideas? And how do we ensure that the process is both democratic and productive? While trying to better understand these questions, I conducted research on management, employer to employee relationships, and more. After a while, I asked myself, why don't managers encourage voices and ideas from below when it's beneficial to them and their organizations? It seems to make sense that employees are the ones getting the short end of the stick in regards to work. They know how things operate from an interior, interior as well as an exterior way. Yet sometimes when employees try to speak up, they are silenced, dismissed, ignored, and disregarded. In my research, I came across an article by Harvard Business Review that attempted to answer this question. Some research argue that indeed managers and leaders avoid really listening to those below because it will disrupt the status quo, and to them, change is too complicated and fuzzy. But some researchers argue that sometimes leaders tend to discourage a culture of speaking because their own position can be compromised and further complicated. It is often the case that some leaders might want to really encourage ideas and opinions from their employees, but implementing them can be impossible because they're not in a position to do so. In these cases, it is important to identify where you stand as a leader. Even if you don't have the authority to incorporate those ideas, never silence. Never be Ursula and never let your employees go voiceless like Ariel. But more importantly, between these two groups, where do you stand? Are you the begrudged Ursula who doesn't care at all what her minions say? Or are you the minions, the ones who wish they could help and do something, but know they literally can't do anything about it at all? Don't take the position of leadership too seriously. Remember, you are representing employees, the people who work for and with you. Therefore, don't disparage those who want to contribute something valuable and essential to the organization. There are a few ways you can do this. Are you Ursula? Are you the leader who struggles to listen to those below? Stop that immediately. In a traditional understanding of leadership, there are four basic kinds of leaders. The autocratic authoritarian, the democratic participative, the laissez-faire free reign, and the paternalistic. How do you fit into these molds? The autocratic leader is pretty much self-explanatory. They are like Ursula, do as I say or off with your head. The democratic leader encourages participation from below and are a bit more benevolent than authoritative. Think of King Triton. Although he is a king, there is a sense of pride and joy and admiration that many Merifor feel for him. He's sweet, respectful, and people love that he's their king. There's no way of really knowing if he encourages participation in any way, but according to popular perception, he fits the role of a leader pretty well. There's also the laissez-faire or free reign leader. There, these are the kind of leaders that encourage so much participation that people basically just take over. The do what you want, how you want, when you want, etc, etc, etc kind of deal. I can't really think of a Disney character that fits this mold, 
And I guess that's when you know that those leaders aren't really the most effective. And lastly, there are the paternalistic leaders, those who are very much like King Triton. These are the leaders that hold an official authority figure, but who are amicable and friendly when everyone's around them. To everyone else, they are the father figure. You don't want the leadership complex, the idea that you lead, you rule, and everyone else follows along no matter what. This is a dangerous assumption because it puts your organization in a very precautious position of uncertainty. Imagine all the weight of the world in one person, or a single individual bearing all the responsibility. In these situations, companies or organizations can begin to experience faults in production, operations, and begin to flag in productivity. If employees feel discouraged to even approach the manager, they'll lose interest in their work, lose purpose in what they're creating, and in return, completely disassociate with their job, leading to an immense loss in productivity. You want a leadership that best emulates the complex adaptive leadership. In this kind of leadership, many people are encouraged to participate in what is traditionally the leadership role. It's actually not as difficult as it sounds, and I'm going to sound super boring and annoying here, but think democracy. I'm not talking about voting and elections. I'm talking about encouraging free speech, free opinions, and an overall sense of liberty to express. Don't let your employees be Ursula's minions and don't make them into voiceless aerials. It is important to not fall into micromanaging. Employees want to feel like they have an authority within their jobs and can actually communicate with their peers, leaders, and managers. Micromanaging doesn't always mean that you are overseeing what everyone else is doing. Sometimes it is about stumping on individual growth and preventing fundamental state of professional development. Your team needs to identify its strength and needs to address its weaknesses. Sometimes it is communication that promotes those things and the minute that you hamper the desires to actually communicate, the minute you limit your team's potential. Sometimes it is crazy to think that leaders shouldn't be thinking about their work. Imagine if Ursula's minions told her that she didn't have to worry about taking King Stratton's throne. She would laugh in their face, she would ridicule them and scorn them for their idiocy. Again, don't be Ursula. It can be natural for leaders and managers to think that they should be devoting every single time and every single second of their day to their work, and perhaps the same should be applied for their employees. But not facilitating some sort of independence between employees and employers can create a lag in productivity and can create confusion. Give your team the sense that you acknowledge their skills and abilities. Delegate functions that are appropriate and not meaningless and further encourage purpose in their work. Sometimes communication arises through your body language. Be mindful of the way that you inevitably address your team. Ursula is incredibly intimidating. She's got incredible feline and scary eyes. Her body slithers and multiplies in volumes as if out of thin air. I mean, who wouldn't find that scary? Now, obviously, I'm not saying not to be an octopus, but be mindful of the sense of camaraderie you profess to your team. Don't be pedantic and show off. Don't come off as arrogant and don't arouse the feeling that you know more than anyone else. Body language can communicate thousands of words more than actual words can, and it is important to recognize this as an element of silencing your employees. So, are you ready to take your first step towards encouraging communication? Are you ready to elevate your team members and value their ideas and opinions? 
We can't change the story of the Little Mermaid. We all know that she falls in love with Prince Eric while she literally has no voice. And anyone would want to root for her to fall in love with Prince Eric. But what if she did that with her own voice? Imagine he heard her sing the minute he met her. Imagine he could actually hold a decent conversation with her. So much could have happened between the two characters that could have not only elevated Ariel's self-esteem and confidence, but her love for Prince Eric could have flourished so much stronger. A voice, like in love or in the office, can be an incredibly powerful tool. Never let anyone take that away from you. But more importantly, don't be the one who reads someone of the most valuable tool of expression. Be conscious of people's ideas and opinions and encourage form of communication. It will definitely help you and your journey towards becoming your best villainous manager. All right, well, there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the fourth installment of the Villainous Manager podcast. Remember, don't be Ursula and don't let anyone be Ariel. If you are a manager, leader, or a creative, welcome to the Villainous fam. Tune in for more episodes from the Villainous Manager podcast for more lessons from our Disney villains like Ursula, Maleficent, Cruella Deville, Queen of Hearts, Jafar, Scar, and many more. For more information about this podcast, visit the description notes and check out our website. Make sure you're subscribed to get alerted when new episodes are released and follow us on our Instagram at the Villainous Manager Podcast. See you soon.